Hey, do you want to be a DJ? Ooh, I want to be a DJ. Hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode seven. Yes, seven of Varsky's I Want to Be a DJ podcast. I'm your host, Varsky. Well, that'd be weird if I wasn't because I'm in the name. Freaking. This week, I've got a really special guest, someone who I've always wanted to get on for a long, long time. We've got Free Jack, someone who has a historic story to tell within the music industry. And just want another, as with all my guests, just a genuinely nice person. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know last week there was a week off, but man's been busy, you get me. And uh, we are back on track. I've got so many guests in store for you in the up and coming weeks, as well as getting Tom back on to talk about just general random rubbish. I've also got a, uh, a WrestleMania for all my pro wrestling WWE fans. I've got a special podcast coming up for you later on, maybe this week, maybe next week. I don't know, somewhere around there. And uh, a big hello. Well, hello there to all the people that are just listening in now. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining me. We are still just getting started on this journey. So welcome aboard. Please spread the word if you like what you hear. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for everyone who has been rate, reviewing and subscribing. That is the motto. Rate, review, subscribe. Your one review, uh, your subscription on iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, or even the SoundCloud listening and like, it really does mean everything to me, guys. This is a, a, a long-term project that I'm starting. And I'm really happy to have all you guys on board. I really, really am. And I look forward to sharing some more podcasts with you guys in the future. Don't forget, if you've got anything to ask, or you can Twitter, Facebook, Instagram me, at Varsky. Facebook is facebook.com slash Varsky. And, uh, and that is about it, really. I think I'm going to go straight on to our, our guest this week. It is Free Jack, the one and only. Really, really interesting story. And without further ado, let's get it, let's get it started. What's going on, guys? Uh, with me today is someone who, when, why, when I do the, uh, the Club MTV tour and I come across all the resident DJs DJing, and there's one name that keeps coming up on their laptops, the remix by, remix by, remix by. And that gentleman is with me today, and that is Free Jack. What's going on, mate? Hello, buddy. You all right? Very good, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time and uh, getting on here with me i know we've been uh, we've been trying to plan this for a long time we finally got you on and i really appreciate it it means a lot yeah funny it's two busy schedules getting them to meet together is a yeah. tricky thing sometimes <laughs> yeah 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 so how you been how's things how's, how's 2017 been for you uh 2017 so far has just been uh, off the scale crazy in the studio uh, rather than DJing, uh, I have been doing some DJing, but nowhere near what I was doing uh, certainly last year. Um, concentrating more on the studio side of things, really, um, this year, 2017, um, for myself and also writing for other people as well. So, yeah, been been a you know an absolutely awesome start so far. Sorry, I nearly swore then. <laughs> no, you can, mate. You can. This is this is. A, can we say bum and, and and tits on here? Yeah, we're, we're all good with swearing on this show. Because I was going to say, I recently, I've seen a, um, it started off on like the bootleg scene and obviously like DJ City. Now I'm seeing like Free Jack on official remixes. Yeah. Um, so is that, is that that's something that's always happened? But has it is it just me or has, has that come about a lot more now in, in the recent months? I think maybe you're just, uh, I've been doing lots for many years, but I think the caliber of who I'm working with now is changing and therefore. They have a lot more promotion behind them, so they're more 
the stuff that I'm doing is perhaps just more visible. It's not that I'm doing particularly more than I was. Uh, it's just more visible in terms of you'll see more promotion. You'll see it on iTunes. You'll see it on Spotify. You'll see it on Facebook. Um, and and also, I guess, maybe, <clears throat> you know, as people become more familiar with the name Free Jack, you know, it's like when you buy a new car, you buy a new you buy your new Ford Fiesta and you suddenly think everybody else has got a Ford Fiesta, but they were always there. You just kind of notice them now. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I totally understand that because the first time, the first time I ever heard of free Jack, um, was about five years ago. I think you did a pump and grind remix. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I remember because that I, I was, I was resident DJ in Leicester at the time and I came across that and I was like, Holy shit, this is, this remix is right up my street, and that was—I mean, I was playing your stuff before I even met you, and and, and that when I, to actually finally meet you a couple of years later was really really cool. And I, I just always wanted to know what came first—the producer or the DJ? Oh, producer, without a doubt. Yeah, I've been producing, I've been writing music since I was twelve, thirteen years old, something like that, you know. And um, although I dabbled with DJing for many years, it was never really a serious thing. So the DJing definitely came from production rather than the other way around. And so let's go way back when you first started. How did you get involved with uh, music writing and how did you, what was your first inways into like, say, the, the music scene and, you know, whether that's the house scene it is now or whether it was a different scene? How did it all start? Um, to be honest with you, I've never done anything different. Uh, I don't want to bore you with the life story, but my mum got me learning piano when I was about six. Um, so I did all my grades and was a classically trained pianist and percussionist. So, so you, f you fully, fully, fully graded now? Yeah, yeah. Well, not fully graded. I got to grade six on the piano and that's grade four. Still percussion. pretty good, mate. That's, that's up yeah. to you on that. So, uh, and I must admit, you know, I hated my mum for it at the time. <laughs> uh, you know, making me sit down and practice my scales. I can where, imagine as a six-year-old, <laughs> nothing like, more you'd rather do. <laughs> but then you kind of get to you get to like thirteen, fourteen years old, and you suddenly realise that girls dig musicians <laughs> and it, it suddenly changes all of a sudden and there's a new focus there for some bizarre reason so uh yeah so i was in a band uh well several bands when i was you know 13 14 15 and we were just messing around at school and we entered a competition which was called rock school which i guess is probably an early equivalent of you know a, a lighter end x factor kind of thing um it was meant for young musicians to um you know get their music out there and it was hosted by i think mike reed and anthea turner back then oh, uh, wow. I, feel, I, I am i am that old <laughs> um so yeah and we we went through um and we did pretty well on that we won that one so um that's kind of what got me started really i was 15 at the time then and we attracted some um, help of labels and management at that point in time. So our manager then, he was working with the Happy Mondays crew and uh, all that kind of um, Manchester scene. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what we were doing as a bit kind of we had some we had a rapper and we had rock guitarists and we had djs and you know i was doing stuff on production and synth side so in that scene it was quite unique 
Um, but we were all so young that it fell apart quite quickly. The other guys were all doing their finals of their A-level years. Um, so it kind of slowly fell apart, which was a bit sad. But that was my kind of first in to the music industry, really, through through that kind of back door there. Okay, and then when, when was the... When was the epiphany for like, hold on, I can make really good house music here? I could, uh, at that point in time, we were doing rock music, you know, yeah. it was, you know, kind of Manchester, you know, Blur, Happy Mondays kind of thing. And I definitely remember going to a rave um, probably may, many more years before I should have been going to raves. But we went to this rave, I was maybe 15, 16 and uh, I was in a big warehouse down here in Plymouth, um, the Dance Academy. You know, it, it was quite legendary back in the day. And um, I remember having literally that epiphany moment standing in the middle of the room going, fuck me, this is just the most exciting thing I have ever experienced, you know. And I think they were, had uh, the Ragga Twins were on, and Sasha was playing and uh they had brothers in rhythm on it was a, you know an incredible lineup i'd never heard of these people i'd never heard this music before and it just blew me away it was just so new and so exciting and i've never done really any other kind of style of music from that day forward that was um yeah that was a pretty big lineup and so yeah. after that gig did you literally go home research loads of all the house djs at the time and and, yeah. and you know, find out. Would you, were you into house at this time or not? No, no, not really. I mean, I was into kind of like the the, the Manchester scene, you know, Blur and in Spiral Carpets. Yeah, so and, it's like indie alternative rock kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because as a as a you know, for fear of calling myself a proper musician, um, you know, that's what musicians did: computer led music, and 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 that you know that was so kind of new. Um, at that point in time, so I'm just turning the aircon off. It's freezing in here. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, mate. You go ahead. <laughs> At that point in time, you know, it, it was so expensive to to acquire this gear that not anybody could just go out and buy a synthesizer and a computer and software and and start making it. It was it was very very difficult. How how many years ago was this? We're talking like uh, 19. 90 1991 right. yeah, okay. like yeah, yeah. so yeah i am that old i just give it away <laughs> <laughs> you still look real young mate you're good <laughs> that, that cream is playing, playing off of that cream. um you know and gear was expensive back then if you wanted a synthesizer that could play more than one sound at a time you were looking at over a thousand quid back then you know i don't know what that would be these days you know but i was very very lucky to have very close friend my best friend steve he had uh, a synthesizer and a, an atari st520 computer um and we kind of learned how to do this between us and we were like you know nobody taught us and we found some free software on the front of a magazine and we plugged in things via midi cables and we didn't know how it worked and we just kind of found our way and um yeah you know i've that's just basically how my entire career has always been. I've never known what I'm doing. You just kind of find a path somehow. Yeah. And, and I mean, to be fair, I mean, I was talking to um, Ed from the Wide Boys and uh, his What's story. Told you? Yeah. Exa- I mean, like all these, <laughs> like, you know, the Akai and the Atari. I mean, this, we, we, were, we were discussing this in his studio days back in the early 90s. Yeah. And, and uh, it's actually quite funny. I, I don't know if you um, listen, but he got. Uh, offered a studio by someone who was going to be a monk in Tibet 
but that's how he was able to afford the studio that's because nice. the guy wanted to get rid of it real quick it's a really that's, really interesting story that's karma right there yeah that's right now, now he's one of the legends in the game yeah. <laughs> so we are now like we are early 90s and i when did like when was your first major remix or when i say major i don't mean like record label remix i mean a remix that went out did it go out under the name free jack was it under something else oh i've worked under countless like pseudonyms over over the years um but i guess the the you know i i soldiered on and wrote music and sent it to labels with with no real um success for 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 many years but you know you just you just do it that's the point when that's when love takes over <laughs> do you get what i mean that's the point you just have to love doing the art yeah. of writing music every time you're getting a note and that was a case of sending out tape cassettes still and um so i guess it would have been 1995 maybe that i had a proper serious bite from uh, a major label which was big life at the time who bought us many things like della soul and lisa stansfield and cold cut and you know the early pioneers of electronic music many of them were on um big life youth and um and <clears throat> to me you know i'm i'm just i'm just a kid from the country i lived out in the middle of nowhere um and yeah i mean there was literally a case of come to london rob we want to sign you up um and that was kind of it really i went there with some ideas under the deloops name um which okay. is what okay, okay. With years ago um and started kind of writing stuff with them under the Deloops name. Um, Free Jack didn't come till many, many years kind of later, really, as a producer, although I used to kind of work in a band called Free Jack for a while, um, which is how the name kind of came about. But um, so, yeah, I guess the first big thing that you would know was Free From Desire. Um, well, who wouldn't? Let's, let's yeah. be honest. And so I was with Big Life and we were working on my material and um, Jazz Summers, the guy who owned Big Life. He kind of played us this record. I was working with, do you remember a group called Opus 3? Yes, I do. I do yeah, know who so, well, actually. Uh, Kev and Nige and Ian were the kind of main guys from that. And Kev and Nige were working with Big Life, running the Big Life studio. And so they kind of, they were my mentors. They were They were helping me find my sound and how to produce and and we kind of all sat down and listened to this record called free from desire and we were like this is awful <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> what was it what the mute the, the track that you sat down and heard what was it at the time was it a house um, track yeah uh yeah it was like italian house yeah uh you know kind of italian piano kind of thing but i mean my first hearing of it was just the acapella and uh it was pretty awful if i'm honest sung um, by the same singer yeah sung by the same singer yeah. i mean but i mean it was one of those epiphany moments again where we're sitting there going this is pretty awful and then you hear na 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 and everybody's ears just go bam that's a hit record there yeah. and uh so yeah i was really lucky to be kind of let loose to work on that project so early on in my career i was probably 20 at the time maybe um so yeah, so that was kind of, I guess, the first big one that maybe people would... So, because remember. the track went out and, uh, as Gala, the artist. Yeah, Gala, yeah. yeah. And so that was another one of your names? 
No, no, no. Gala wasn't me. Gala was very much um, her and her Italian right. writing. Right, I'm with but, you. But the production uh, was you. Yeah, well, so we we would work, I mean, it would be described as additional production. Yes, yes, so, I'm with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you know, with remixes and 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 tidying up and and edits and and you know, getting that kind of final format that was suitable for the UK at the time. Uh, you know, because music in those days in the mid '90s was very cool. You know, we were the envy of the world and still are, I guess. Um, but very much the envy of the world of, of, as far as dance music is concerned. Um, and so it had to be right for you know our, our you know, and it was going to be. A, a chart delivery and it did all right we, we think not peaked at number two i think in the national um i think that was one of the first dance tracks that i ever got into i mean i was about 11 i think 11 10 11 at the time mm. and prior to this it was just five steps s club and then i think my brother came home with an album the essential mix by john digweed maybe right yeah and i think it was on that and I, 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 we did a mix of it as well, I think. Possibly. Yeah. That was the, that, that essential, it was the essential collect, selection. I think it was John Digweed on the mix. And um, that was my first ever house CD that I listened to. Prior to that, it was, there was no house music involved in my life. I was listening to whatever my friends were listening to, whatever was on TV. And it was all, you know, the pop stuff, which, you know, which is, yeah. which is still cool. And um, that, that whole album was full of about 40 tracks and Gala Free From Desire was that you just, you know, whenever you get a, a compilation, you don't need to know any of the tracks. You listen to them all, you know which one's the biggest track on it. And that, to me, that was like, wow, this, this track's yeah. incredible. I mean, there was, that, that hook line is, is undeniably, you know, it, and the fact that it's still, you know, being played by DJs 20 odd years late, later, you know, that just says it all. And after the football tournament, it's been played even more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the time, there's no way on earth we ever thought, we thought that it would do all right in the charts, but we never thought that people would still be dancing around to it 21 years later. Because you know? I, I class that as the same bracket as Show Me Love. Do you know when you've got the timeless classics that will go on for, <laughs> for years and years to come? Gala, Free From Desire, You Sure Do, and Show Me Love, to me are in that same bracket that will carry on going in dance music. Whether or not they get remade or whether or not the originals get played, they are the, they are the standards, you know? But we, ne we never saw it that way at the time, you know? It was, uh, you know, for fear of, of upsetting somebody. She's not the world's best vocalist by any means, you know? But she had some great ideas and she was quite out there and, um, you know, and being different is what, made the difference and and that time that hook line nah, 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 nah. you know that's all you need that it's that's you know like you yeah, say that was that was that was, a, that was a killer hook. right there yeah so then after free from desire you you must have seen an influx of of work come your way surely uh yeah i started doing i mean most of this was kind of either remix work or production work and you know i, I very much kind of took the back seat it wasn't really necessarily perhaps about me and my material so i did stuff for two unlimited i did stuff for um coover i did stuff for right said fred i wrote so, stuff because two unlimited were one of my favorite bands yeah <laughs> let's talk about them <laughs> uh yeah that was that was more up a kind of straight remix really that one they had um they'd kind of changed their guys in terms of the rap guy and the, and the girl fronting it obviously too unlimited was the was the producer 
And uh, so they've got two new girls in uh, Romy and Marion. I think they were called. I think Romy was like a, a, a Calvin Klein underwear model or something, you know. Um, so they got these two new girls into front and they were writing new material. I think one was called Edge of Heaven and um, Want to Give Up was one. So, yeah, we were kind of working on those, really. Uh, but those were kind of more straight up remixes. Um but, yeah, they were, again, looking for a good UK sound because we were so different to the rest of the world. Um, Europe was very poppy still in the dance scene of things. Maybe Italy had a very cool kind of vibe, but, um, you know, certainly the other Scandinavian countries were still very poppy. And uh, so, yeah, they were just trying to find that cool edge for crossover here in the UK. Yeah, let's um let, let's digress on that level for a second. Let's so you know how in what do, how do you think the UK music scene is perceived today from the rest of the world? Do you think it is envied still? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, no matter what country are you, you know this. Whatever yeah, country yeah. in the world, we're playing. You know, sub focus. We're playing. Um, you know, we're playing DJ Fresh and and all the kind of big anthemic things they're all uk producers now obviously uh, the us has come on leaps and bounds in the last few years in fact you know their embrace of electronic music has has been you know colossal um and therefore they're finding their own producers and you know generating and, and creating their own acts and artists but you know i still think that the uk is the envy of the world we're, we're the market leaders in terms of doing something new we're the ones generating the new genres of you know, and subgenres of house or future house or future bass or drum and bass or jungle or whatever it is. You know, it's always us that are pushing the boundaries. It's um, funny you say that actually, because I was chatting to Rewire uh, last weekend about the state of music and. You know, obviously, a lot of our set is EDM, American-based uh, house, yeah. and obviously, we are bringing in a lot more, and uh, I say a lot, I mean a hell of a lot more UK stuff into our sets now, and uh, I don't know whether that's due to our maturity in music or just, you know, just the way we're moving, but we um, we look at, like, the, the American EDM scene, and, and it kind of follows a weird pattern, it it kind of leeches off the sound then it then it blows up the rest of the year and then it goes quiet and it's almost like you know they're waiting for the next sound and once ultras come out then all the tracks will come out according to that sound but we're every year this time of year there is a lull of american electronic dance music and during this time of year british bass music is exploding it's really yeah. really weird how it works in patterns well, they're just waiting for Miami, aren't they? They're waiting for everybody to show, put their cards on the table at the Miami Winter Music Conference. And everyone, you know, it, it's us Europeans that are bringing new stuff to the table. And, you know, I don't want to accuse the Americans of, of you know, copying, but it does seem to follow the same kind of patterns that you're talking about. And I'm actually working with some US artists at the minute, who I won't name, you know, who said, the reason they're working with with English and European producers is because they're tired of the US just copying everybody. They're going in a circle. They're just chasing the tail. Everybody's just copying everybody else. Yeah, it does uh, feel like that. It does also. It sounds like that as well. As someone who has been playing American EDM for a long time in our set, I, I, I maybe that's the reason why we're going off it a little bit because we are looking at everything and think how 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 many how much old stuff can we really play? Where's the new stuff? Where's the groundbreaking stuff? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had our own thing here in this country chasing its tail, perhaps with a kind of deep house sound. And, you know, every record ever made has been remixed with that kind of bob, 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 donkey kind of bass noise on it, you know, and and obviously I'm, I'm guilty of having done that myself. But I've been writing music like that for many, many years. And so we, you know, we're kind of chasing our tail as well to a degree. Um, but there are always leaders and there are always followers and it will always be like that. And, um, but it seems what's quite cool about the UK is that there are more leaders maybe than followers. So, you know, I think on the whole, that's a good thing. Yeah, I, I agree. Where do you think the UK music scene is going this year? Because there's that upsurge in bass. There's that new, with like, you know, like Sikonosis and all. There's a lot of big, big bass DJs coming up now up north and in Bristol. Where do you think, um, do you think it's going to follow that bass sound? Like, if we were to go completely commercial to give it uh, a relevance, Tom Zanetti's new track, that kind yeah. of bass sound. Or do you think it's going a different way? I think the, the 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 one thing you can kind of, I think, count on this year is the merger between electronic music and urban music is is becoming very prevalent in terms of all these kind of trap style beats, which are very electronic, but they're carrying a lot of kind of urban swing and urban feel. And there are more urban artists, you know, Kid Ink or, or uh, I don't know, Natalie uh, De La Rose or whatever her name is, you know, like a lot of kind of US artists jumping on to um, electronic production now. And so I guess Chainsmokers is the, the market leader in that kind of, Blend. They've blown up. I mean, we're doing a lot of we're doing a lot more shows with them this year. We did we did work with them so much last year, um, and they've just done a track with Coldplay. Yeah, I mean, it's phenomenal. I, I mean, that's what perhaps quite so urban. But I think what what's really cool about that is whether you're into urban music or slow beats or fast beats or or electronic beats or whatever it is that pushes your button. Everything seems to kind of be coming into this kind of center point, and the kind of chain smokers guys have kind of headed up something that covers so many bases that there's not much to dislike about it. Do you get what I mean? You can't really, oh, I don't like that because it doesn't do this or it doesn't, you know, it covers so many bases. And I think this year, so Tom Zanetti is another one of them, you know, whether you're into house or whether you're into rap or whether you're into grime or whatever, it kind of softly covers so many bases with his, his rap vocals, but the deep bass lines, but the house beats, do you get what I mean? You get yeah, this yeah. Urge yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, the, the kind of house thing and EDM thing has been big for a good few years now. And I think people are ready for something different. They're ready for some change. No, I, I agree with that. I, even as someone, you know, right now where me and Rewire are, are, are at the moment, we're sitting down trying to plan our sets for and, you know, trying to plan the music for the forthcoming year because, our, our, you know, our, our gigs are about to start from next week. And we're now looking and we're thinking we are in that position where, like, a change has to come. Because, yeah. because the time is done now for what what we have been doing. There's got to be a change. So if anyone's listening, um, you will see a, a change in Rewire and Varsky sets <laughs> this year. Um, and I'm actually really looking forward to it, to be honest. Um, and I, I don't know if it's because we've been doing it for so long, but I'm ready for that change personally. Do you know yeah, whether, yeah. whether music is or, or, or whether people are? I'm ready for a change in the sets that we present to people. And... and it's quite a nice feeling to look ahead this year and think, you know, we're, we're going to do something different. 
it's always it's always it, it's hard to be brave and do something if you've done something that's been so successful as 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 you and Cam have been so successful for so long doing that thing. It takes some balls to to change what you're doing. You know the the old adage of don't broke don't change it and no don't fix it if it's not broken. Um, you know that takes some balls, but also you know you've got to always develop and and evolve. We can't all be like the Rolling Stones and <laughs> just play the same thing. Well, I don't know. I've often been compared to the Rolling Stones. So I don't know about <laughs> you. I don't know about you, Rob. But <laughs> yeah, it's pretty close. It's funny it, it, talking about that, and I'll, we'll go back to your, your journey in a sec. But I was uh, I was I was having a, a surf on Apple Music the other day, and I was listening to Black Sabbath. Nice. And I I, I've no, I know to, to it's to I guess I'm guilty of never actually exploring that kind of music before. But I was listening to Black Sabbath. I'm like, holy shit, this stuff is incredible. <laughs> that, that, but they were the they were the original arena guys, you know that that kind of rock. They were the first people that were you know were not particularly Black Sabbath them themselves, but you know um, Def Leppard and all of those kind of um, who else? I don't know. Um, ACDC. Yeah, all those guys were they were the big arena guys, you know. They were the people selling out hundred thousand people shows and uh and edm is just the modern version that's right the, of the that. djs are just the modern day rock stars you know are, are yeah. probably a little bit more sensibly behaved or we don't know but you know they, they are the modern day arena you know headliners and i guess people like black Sabbath, acdc def leopard they they paved the way for where we are now you know we're performing on sure. festivals and things like that yeah but, um sure. now you uh, obviously rob you're a plymouth plymouth lad plymouth born and bred I'm Nuki from Newquay. Right, so in that area, yeah. <laughs> us Northerners don't really don't really go into that much detail. But you're from down south. Yeah, um, let's keep it simple. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I, I've just been we just been confirmed on the MTV Crashes Plymouth, which is a great great event every year. You've done that a couple of times with us, haven't you? I did it one year with you guys. Yeah, um, the last year, sadly, I was in Norway the weekend. Oh, okay, okay. So, so I was doing a. Uh, a, a water-based festival there um sta- uh, like surfing and stand-up paddle boarding and diving and um so it was a shame that i wasn't there last year but um as that festival actually happens only you know a hundred meters from my flat i pretty much have to get involved i don't have very much choice you ain't got a choice are you are you around this year for it absolutely yeah it's in the diary ready to go so nice um, i didn't even know that you're in it <laughs> coffee oh i don't know whether i'm actually on the lineup or not but i'll certainly be in oh, the crowd you, 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 you'll, you'll be on the I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll be on the lineup if you're there Let, let's make that happen <laughs> yeah we, we should i'll get i'll get on the phone to management and make that happen because this year martin garrix is headlining on day oh, two and i think it's ella henderson i believe i don't don't hold me to that or and it's sigma live doing day one nice which is, which is actually a really cool moment like you know for, for the sigma boys as well just because of the journey that they've been on even, yeah even with us like four years ago they were touring universities with us um and now they're and now doing, they're in private jets and yeah you know they, they, they're living the dream and they deserve it they've done really really well yeah, and they have worked hard yeah. they are definitely people can show the value of, of, of putting in the effort yeah, and it's just it's a really really nice moment. So let's go back to your journey. We were at the point where you're working on many remixes. We we spoke about two unlimited. Where what happened then? Were were you, were you DJing at this point still? Uh, had you started DJing like in clubs uh, at this point? 
Yeah, kind of. Um, I started just doing some kind of record industry DJ parties and they all tend to happen in pub back rooms and upstairs in this dodgy bar or down in some dodgy basement. And, um, you know, there's there's only ever, you know, 50 or 100 people or something, but they tend to be influential people and they tend to be people who are involved in the scene very deeply so I was quite lucky, you know, I never got any money or anything, but, you know, I was buying vinyl because I liked playing music and all of a sudden somebody said, yeah, you should have a go. And so I was like, well, yeah, okay, you know, and I started doing some of these little kind of industry parties and I thought, you know what, this is good fun actually, you know. Um, but back then you, you, it was difficult. You couldn't play your own music out in a DJ set unless your music had, had been pressed and printed and gone to vinyl i mean there was no real easy way you know it wasn't until cds came about that you could start just including your own music in your sets back then if you if if you wanted to put your own music it would have to have been released unless you wanted to pay the extortionate amount of monies to get um you know kind of acetates pressed up or or, or test pressing pressed which was hundreds and hundreds of pounds and you know you can't do that every gig that you want to go to. It's a different world now. Yeah. Isn't it? Absolutely different. Yeah. You know, things changed massively when DJ started flipping over to, to, to CDs and all of a sudden, yeah, you could do your own mashups and your own bootlegs and all of a sudden you could play your own stuff. And that was a massive game changer right there. But so, yeah, I kind of just started doing, I mean, I did some holiday camps and I did mates weddings and, you know, all, all of the usual kind of stuff that DJs, do to kind of earn their stripes as it were you know but it, for me it was never about being a dj it's always been about writing music and remixing music and and uh, but i just realized then that the two actually kind of went hand in hand you know it was a way of electronic people performing um and that was the the kind of difference really that's our way of getting up and it's like a band would write a song and get up and perform a song djing is is producers way of performing their music so they kind of had to go hand in hand and so where was your production at this point so if we go to the late 90s early 2000s in terms of what who were you working with the likes of and how, were you free jack by the end of 19 well, i say by 1999 uh, no, no free jack didn't really come about until 2007 or something right, like. so it's, it's a very recent thing if you think about it yeah, yeah. So Free Jack thing was all about, well, jumping forwards a bit, was about how I'd got bored of just doing everybody else's stuff. And uh, I was just thinking, well, you know, it's time I just did something for myself. So that's how the Free Jack stuff came about. But back then I was doing kind of big, late 90s, we're doing like big trance stuff um, under the name of Halo and Headway. And uh, there was Rob b stuff i was doing at the time so the rob b stuff was like speed garage so i did quite a lot of stuff like speed garage mixes for um acts like Celicia and milkink and i did a speed garage mix for the gala follow-up which was let a boy cry so i did a dilute mix and a rob b mix for that um we did some stuff i don't know i can't remember that far back <laughs> it was all a blur back then yeah so the journey I mean, the journey's been really like it's been a long and deep journey for people that are listening that you know i'll probably listen to free jack stuff now um you know it's, it's quite interesting because of everything that you've actually done and accomplished and been through to get to where you are today 
And so what are you having what are you having the most fun doing free jack stuff or did you enjoy doing the the early 90s stuff uh or they're both on par? I can't lie mate it's been fun all the way long and you know many people kind of ask me what's my biggest achievement and to date I can honestly say my biggest achievement is not ever having had to have a job. Um, yeah I can, I can vouch for that my friend. You know this is all in that same boat. <laughs> this isn't a job. We work hard. But this isn't a job, you know. We we're so lucky to do what we do, um, and every day. I mean, I I can remember yesterday. I've been away in Switzerland for a few days DJing, and I was away for a bit last week. And and um, I got back in the studio like late yesterday, and uh, phoned up my manager for a quick catch up. And I said to him, "Do you know what? I just is so good to just be back in the studio here. My favourite place. Cup of tea in my hand." dog sat by my feet you know on goes the computer and you know that's literally where i am my happiest uh it, you know it really is so um but don't get me wrong doing my own stuff is a lot more rewarding um than you know kind of doing everybody else's stuff do you get what i mean yeah uh, of course it would have been like it, to see your name on a track and get credited for it you know it's, it's got to be more rewarding yeah i mean there's there literally is nothing better in the record world than hearing your record turn up on a radio, you know, especially radio one or kiss FM or, or whatever it is, you know, and that moment you jump in the car and you're not expecting it and your track comes on the radio, you know, that that's, you know, that's the kind of pinnacle of that or in the older days going into a shop and picking up that piece of vinyl and it having your name on it, you know, that's just the most incredible feeling. Um, or, you know, I can remember a time sitting in the pub once we were waiting for, uh what was it it was naked in the rain and we did we redid naked in the rain in 1998 um under the rob b name and i can remember sitting in the pub on a sunday afternoon with my mates um listening to the chart show on a sunday afternoon because we didn't know we knew it was going to be in the chart somewhere but we didn't know where it was and knocking back the shots each time we kind of went up a place you know 21 no we're not 21 right get another shot down <laughs> are, we, are we number 20 no we're not number 20 right get another shot i mean we were absolutely hammered by the time we, we turned up and i don't remember actually hearing it but <laughs> but it's only a reflection i think on the, it was fairly successful i think we we went in like just outside the top 10 number 11 or something like that that's, so that's... but you know hearing your name on the chart show um on the radio back then i was i don't know mid-20s and you know that was yeah that's that's an achievement that i'll always be proud of you know the only one thing i can say that i've never done which i always wanted to do was top of the pops and unfortunately i don't think that that uh, that will ever come about no that was always one thing that as a kid i always used to dream of that as well and i just just to like perform on top of the pops yeah. but I'm, I'm still at that stage now where i you know like obviously <clears throat> i haven't had I think I've sat in down once and I've heard my track being played um, somewhere. But your but, track with Bluey, man, that was, that was a killer. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that, that got a lot of airtime and very, it, got, it, got, it got through to BBC introducing it. Um, it you did well with that one, you know? Yeah. Um, for, I was, I was, for, for an effectively, you know, kind of fresh artist, you know, you're very well known in the DJ world for sure. Um, but as a producer... Um, you know, you're probably still, forgive me for saying it, maybe quite still fresh to the scene. No, you're right, mate. You're right in saying that. Okay. And I think what I, what I wanted to do with with questions, because I've always, I mean, that's what I've 
always growing up on i grew up on r&b and obviously garage came in with the house thing the house thing came later for me and um i only started really producing when i met up with rewire and we, we started doing all the dance stuff but i with with questions and there's another track coming up um come i'm gonna try and push it out in the next three four months but with questions that was like i sat down and i was I wanted to express myself and it was the opportunity that I could on my own and it was just really, really refreshing and nice, you know. Don't get me wrong, I love working with Rewire, I love doing house. It's it's I'm very grateful for, for having it all in my life. But working on questions with, with a vocalist like Bluey was just it was so much fun. Yeah. But you know, it it but working when you're working on your own, I mean I had other people working with me and helping me as well. But when you're doing it on your own, so to say, it does test because I struggle with patience, Rob. Uh, one of the biggest things that probably the reason why I don't have multiple catalog of tracks out on under Varsky or my any whatever name is that I have I have trouble uh, problems with patience. And if you look into you know, if you look in like my 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 music production library, I probably have about nine hundred tracks which haven't been finished. <laughs> because this, I'm is just, my, this is my number one rule. To be honest with you, yeah, uh, is that when anybody asks me for advice on on being a producer and that's my number one thing if you don't finish your work you don't have anything you've got to finish your work it's it's the number one rule and you'll find that the successful producers are the producers who will just push on through that brick wall and get their stuff refinished yeah you know, you know it, they might not love it there, there's countless tracks have gone out which i absolutely you know despise and my manager would tell you that i'm never happy with anything that I finish, you know, it's never where I want it to be, but you've got to finish your work. If you don't finish it, you don't have anything. Yeah, exactly. And I, I going through that whole, the, the brick wall, as, as you, as you mentioned earlier with questions, it was a test. And to be fair, it was, um, it was a learning of discipline as well, which I really enjoyed. Um, you know, I, I think it was a really, it was an important thing for me to do. I tell uh, you, I tell you one thing that helped me in this very situation and and that it's different now so now you can load up any project and all the failures will just jump into place and all your effects will turn back up and you know that's cool and you can flip from one project to the next and that's really helpful but when i first started and you've got this huge mixer you know kind of 100 and whatever channel mixer in front of you and then all the outboard effects and then all the compressors on one side and then all the patches on the synths and it was such an effort to reload a track that you had to fit. If you didn't finish it by the end of that session, there was no way that you were going to go away and come back a week later and reload that track up in any shape or form that was remotely similar to how you left it. So you just pushed through and you got it finished because finding all those places for the EQ and the mixer faders and all the effects and the synth patches and whatever, you just, you know, there's no way of pulling that back really in the same form. So that taught me to finish your work, get your work done, get it done, because you can't revisit this two weeks down the line. Well, not easily anyway. Yeah, so, I think that's um, that's something that, the problem that we don't have today. And in a way, you talking about that now and me thinking about it, it's like, it kind of it would be nice to be in that situation because then, I, you know, for me, especially, it would teach me more discipline. It would teach me more patience and yeah. to crack on with it. But, and um, also studio time was so expensive then as well. You have very, you know, strict um time in the studio you know if you had two days that's all you had you had two days to write and record and get that nailed down and then also i've had times where you know we were working in trident studios where you've got 
uh, Goldie or Todd Terry, you know, knocking on the door going, you're, you're five minutes over on your session, man. Come on, get out. You know, and that teaches you to work to deadlines and, um, you know, they're, they're really useful skills to have. And they're skills that most of us don't adhere to now because we all have our laptop and we can open it on the train or on the plane or in, in the park that's, or whatever. That's right, yeah. <laughs> you know? and, uh, but back then, you know, you had when Goldie's knocking on the door going, get the fuck out, you're five minutes on my session. Yeah, you get out. <laughs> you make sure you're finished, you know? Yeah, yeah. I've, I, I completely, that's, it's fascinating. It's really interesting hearing you hearing you talk about all that. Standing well, there with his, his Z-bed. Because <laughs> 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 he's going to be locked in the studio for 48 hours or, you know, whatever. Yeah, Goldie was one of the people that, um, I like my brother really was into Goldie and, and via him, I, I, listen to a lot of his music and I actually got to meet Goldie in Serbia I think it was two years ago at the exit festival and I was interviewing some people from MTV and Goldie was one of the guys and he's such a such a down-to-earth geezer like yeah, I was yeah. just yeah, you know, I was sure. telling him I, I, how how much how much of a um influence he was on my career and I was just you know thank you so much he was like oh come on mate don't worry about it don't don't be like that it's fine and I'm like you you lad you geezer <laughs> but you know what it's like right as you work your way up this industry ladder and regardless of kind of where you are you'll get to a point where the more successful people you meet the nicer and more humble these guys are and you realize that there's got to be a correlation there somewhere between being successful and just being a down-to-earth ordinary guy who's just doing it for the music and there are unfortunately our industry is so full of dicks doing it for the wrong reason um but you must see that as as you meet these guys you know sorry go on sorry i was gonna say in the, in the journey that, that we've been on so we started off with uh, when we started touring and getting on road and mixing with uh, the bigger artists and the more famous people. It was with Ministry of Sound, and this was in 2011, 2010. And the people that we came across that were complete knobheads were people that you wouldn't hear of today because they yeah. shut up really quick. And I don't know whether there's their attitude or whether you know the fate only had it that they'd have one album or they'd have a couple of tracks and they'll go but you, the the knobheads that i can remember and i won't name any names or anything like that but they're not around today no and it's really weird because i was new to the scene back then so obviously i, I was you were you weren't sure of yourself let alone how to perceive other people because i just thought well maybe that's how people are but it's not we're all normal dudes um, yeah. there's so many cool gentlemen like really nice people girls and guys Absolutely. in this industry like yourself uh, like a lot of the people that I've got on my podcast in fact everyone on my podcast I've chosen because you know I would call them one of the genuine people that I know in the industry and people that I was classed as industry friends but there are so many idiots and there is a pattern there is a correlation between their rise and say another, another individual who is completely down to earth rise because there's this story behind it I think, you know, everybody's got to learn that you've got to learn. People don't want to work with dicks at the end of the day. That's what it boils down to. So you could be the best DJ or the best producer in the world. If you're a dick, people want always the route of least resistance, don't they? So you're a dick and you turn up to a gig and they go, where's my where's my rider? Where's my monitor? I can't work on these decks or whatever. You could be the best DJ in the world. They ain't going to book you again. Or you could be a guy who's maybe not the best DJ in the world, uh, but you turn up on time. 
you you just get on with the gig you do the gig well and at the end of the night you're polite and everybody yeah, the guy's a nice guy we'll book him again that's how it works you know yeah i would agree with that let's move away from music for uh, a second robert you're a film man you into films i like a film yeah have you seen any ones recently i must admit i don't get to the cinema anywhere near as much as i would really like to um but i think what have i seen recently that i really enjoyed i really enjoyed the um arrival i thought that was a oh, great cool. film great I film really, i didn't get it if i'm honest i was like am i missing something here she could um spoiler alert guys but she could she could see the future yeah okay so it took me i had to but what i liked about it is i had to go away and think about it a bit and go is this film am, am i expecting too much from this film or have i missed the message and the fact that i had to go away and subsequently think about it that you know is bringing something way more to the table than just some images on a screen yeah no i i really enjoyed arrival and it was um I think it was because I listened obviously the podcast I listened to. I think it was Filmcast podcast. They all had it in the top their top ten of the year. Yeah, and that's what made me go and watch it. And I sat down and I watched it. It took it took a, it, it was slow to start off with, but yeah. you, you you persevere with it, and it really is one of those films that you walk away. I think fuck, you, you need to spend more time thinking about it. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I like films like, but I also like you. You know, you kind of throw away films where. You just stuff your face full of popcorn and have a giggle, you know. So they yeah, have- I, really, I, would, I really want to see Logan. I, I'm a massive yes. comic Marvel fan, huge Marvel DC. In fact, all comics, they don't have to fit in that genre, but I really can't wait to see Logan because it's based on the old man Logan comics. And um, I'm a massive fan of that comic. It's one of my favourite comics. And I can't wait I- to see it. Cool. No, I've not seen it either. So yeah, let's not let's not spoil that one. No, no, let's not, let's not talk about. I'll tell you a funny story though. Um, I was on, I was uh, chatting to Martin Too Smooth on the podcast uh, two weeks ago, and I just seen Lion. Have you seen Lion? No. Um, and you know, there's there's been two films in in my lifetime that I've cried at, <laughs> and I'm unashamedly so. One was Lion King in 1994. Bear in mind, I was only nine years old. Right, um, okay. And I, <laughs> I cried to Lion King. And Lion, uh, three, I'm, four I'm, weeks I'm ago. I'm sensing a theme here somewhere. Yeah, it's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> even though there was no lion in this film, you put a lion on the film name, I'll cry to it. But yeah. the actual film I sat and I found myself tearing up to. So much so that I was with my family and I had to get out of the room because I'm like, I can't see this. can't see you here and be crying. <laughs> like, yeah, no. good, you know? If something can touch you in, in, in that manner, then you know that that just just makes it a billion times better than you know we're all after um heightening our emotions whether it's listening to music watching the telly watching the news going out and doing extreme sports it's all about emotion and we're emotional creatures and anything that can kind of create emotion is 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 got to be good surely yeah just 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 like music and what a way to segue back to music yeah <laughs> almost like i'm a professional exactly is exactly. that you must do my podcast on your own you're doing very well mate i'll leave that one to the pros <laughs> i try mate i try <laughs> to be fair though it's really weird because people are just like do you know i mean how do you find the podcast how do you how do you have the patience it's really weird because I don't see this as I'm just sitting having a like you. I'm having a glass of water, a cup of tea, a couple of nuts, and I'm chatting to friends. And it's really yeah. like it's not a it's not a. But problem. actually, you know, we we this is the longest conversation we've probably ever it had. Is, it is hundred percent. It is, and it is and, like with a lot of the guests. Like, and it's just I've learned more about for you the last fifty minutes than I ever have, and it's fucking <laughs> brilliant. It's really yeah. nice. 
you know, it's, it's actually a good a good way of having an excuse to to uh, catch up, and you know, maybe you should get your mum on the podcast. And you well, good funny you should say that. <laughs> In a couple of my early podcasts, I was chatting to Tom, the photographer, about my dad and how what his views are of me doing this, and I am going to try and get my dad on. My dad is a traditional Indian dad who doesn't oh. understand the music industry, and you know, has from day one has told me to get a real job, and yeah. I'm going to try and get him on. And just just talk about what he thinks about what I do, because even yep. to this day, I don't actually think he knows what I do. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure that my mum and dad really fully understand what I do. Uh, all they know is that, um, you know, I I just do it to the best that I can do it, and I do it for the love of it, not for anything else. And my mum has often said to me, you know, maybe get a proper job, but you're obviously not doing it right if somebody's saying to you don't get a proper job if somebody's exactly. saying no you're fine carry on you're yeah. not doing it you do, you do what you're doing mate you carry on. Not, you're not taking enough risks if you if people are saying that for you <laughs> right so what has 2017 got in store with with free jack uh well we are i can't give away too many things um but we are talking to some some big labels about some uh some new material i'm kind of uh, just literally looking at the new Tom Zanetti thing at the moment um, in terms of we're not sure whether it's going to be a remix or production or however that works. Um, there are God knows how many remixes sitting there waiting to be done at the moment, but there's definitely going to be more material from me coming on my label, my Wet Look label, but also on Perfecto, there is some stuff coming out on bigger labels, should we say, um, which I won't mention just yet. But we've had a lot of support this year from, you know, Target has been amazing this year with his support. Um, and so we're kind of teaming up with their team really to do some more stuff um, with Columbia and Pitched Up. So that will be cool. Um, what else have we got? online i'm just looking at my list on the wall here there's stuff with Catherine ellis coming there's stuff with um christine w from the states coming there's stuff with paul morell there's stuff with uh kenny hectic there's stuff with um lonio uh there is i don't know the, the list is endless there's about there's new wide boy stuff coming um there's loads of collabs um and if i've forgotten anybody off the list my apologies um but yeah, there's there's a lot of music coming. We've been working very, very hard. I say we, I have been working very hard. We, my manager's been working very hard as well. And the um, dog. The dog's been working dog. tirelessly. Yeah, well, the dog, yeah, she, well, she's been very poorly, but uh, she's been on by my feet you know, every day in the studio for 13 or more years. Grafting it out, grinding yeah. it out. Grafting it out, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, there's loads of stuff. So, not quite as much DJing as I was doing. Um, so... But yeah, hopefully there'll be some nice gigs coming up, some festivals and stuff. So that'd be cool. Yeah, so. and, and and I really look forward to hearing all the new remixes, dude. You got you got to get, get them all sent to me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, well, what I need to do is get organised, <laughs> <laughs> organise my own mailing list properly. Um, you know, I, there just aren't enough hours in the day. Is what it boils down to. The list every day gets a bit longer of things that need to be done. But then you know, you're not doing it right if if, if you're sitting around twiddling your thumbs. You ain't doing it right exactly exactly rob i just want to thank you for being on the show mate oh, i've had you. you on for like 50 odd minutes and it's yeah. been been really cool and like you said this is the longest that we've spoken and you know it's been so nice chatting it's been so nice learning and you know 
catch it yeah. up. We make sure that uh, when Plymouth Crashes is on, that we uh, we get you guys in the studio for a gig. Yeah, we, we should do that because we're there for a couple of days. As always, yeah. we're there for a couple of days, and yeah. we should get in the studio and, and, and get on with some business. But I think the next time I may see you is probably in Plymouth uh, in July. Okay, cool. Hopefully, well, it'll be sooner. I'm hope I'll, we'll try and plan it to be sooner. Yeah, well, let's let's make this happen. I mean, yeah. the, like the dates are in the diary. Um, you know. Uh, under my drinking folder yeah <laughs> <laughs> under the part partying folder party folder so, yeah yeah it's just such a great thing for down here to have you know guys like yourselves and, and the huge caliber the mtv yeah uh, you know the artists that they bring it's it's incredible you know it is, just, it is a really really good event and it's actually a really good venue though i mean oh, there are venues around the world but it's such a good place to do festivals when there's blue skies and it's not raining yeah. I, I can't think of a better place that we've done a festival to be fair there's a place in Croatia where we did the Summer Blast Festival which was very similar which is by the sea as well but with me if the sun's out in England there's no better place in the world absolutely um, yeah the summertime in England is the, is the best time in the world and it beats everywhere everywhere I totally agree hands down nice well where can people find you if they want to uh, they can find me on, on all the usual socials, so Facebook forward slash DJ Freejack, on Twitter forward slash DJ Freejack, on Instagram forward slash DJ Freejack. The only one that's different because I got <coughs> thrown off of SoundCloud. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a common theme with people I speak to, to be fair. <laughs> it's uh, SoundCloud forward slash Rob Freejack. I had, uh, um, I had questions taken off SoundCloud. Yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> so I just deleted the account. I'm like, fuck you guys. <laughs> uh, there's just nothing you uh, You can't work with that. You know, I mean, I had the Craig David thing got taken down. I got points for that. I actually got an email from them saying, dear Freejack, your track Freejack <laughs> has been taken down because you don't own it. It's like, it's nobody reading these emails. It just, it makes no sense, you know? And that was somebody to love. I got a strike on my account for um, posting somebody to love on spinning. You know, and on orders of spinning, spinning said, so "Can you post this up on your thing? We need to get the things going." You know, yeah, they've got to uh, it's because they've got an algorithm, and if it's put, if it, if it's been put on a compilation or something, they automatically just register it as someone else's. And yeah, then you've got to kind of like raise the thing. But when they took questions down, I don't know where it's been played or what it's been registered to. Uh, I think it was somewhere abroad, and I was just, I looked at it and I thought, "Do you know what? I really don't need." soundcloud anymore you know yeah. I'm, I'm gonna push it out a different way and i just deleted it and it's just it was quite funny yeah but yeah. rob mate it's been such a pleasure to have you on yeah, today thanks thanks for having me man. um i really do appreciate it and this episode is going on tonight so there's gonna be no wait um it'll be on the podcast tonight and uh you know I, I'm, I'm so grateful for you for you to come on and do this man it's been really nice no it's been nice yeah, genuinely nice just to chat for yeah, once it has it really has um, and um, I look forward to seeing you down the line and uh, guys if you want to check out Rob's uh, Freejack stuff uh, make sure you do this guy's the king of UK remixes any resident DJ listening would know that I'm telling the truth they probably have oh, bags of his stuff already <laughs> like I do uh, I want more hint 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 yeah, it's always more <laughs> and um, no thank you so much Rob really really appreciate it thanks Varsky alright buddy alright mate thank you so much dude speak to you soon take, take care later. bye